So those are the three questions. Have they got money? What's it worth to them to have that problem fixed? And can you create high price versions of your offer to that market? This is Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, episode 19. You're listening to Three Marketers Walk Into a Podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Response Suite. So we've got the virtual wallpapering table out this week at Response Suite. We're having a bit of a decoration party. Everyone's got their overalls on. what, what, What Rob's basically saying is we are working tirelessly and frustratingly on a new website for Response Suite. So maybe by the time you hear this, it will be ready. Maybe we'll still be going... Left a bit, right a bit, yeah, up a bit. Yeah, 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 to me. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll have to, uh, but you'll, you'll hopefully see that very, very soon. So this week, who did we talk to? We Bob? did peel a bit of time out of our schedule of redecorating to speak to Paul Healy, uh, an old friend of mine. And uh, Paul is awesome. Not only is he a very successful salsa dancing instructor, Ooh, misses. Yeah, he runs a massive salsa dancing school in real life where people actually turn up to room and that. But How many people turn up to these things? Oh, it's like a thousand people a week, I think, go to his a salsa. A thousand dancing. people a to week. shake their hips. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they have so, fun. The videos on the internet look amazing. Oh, so wow. yeah, he does that. But also, uh, he has been really successful at building businesses, info product businesses, with other people's stuff. So he's like the man behind the scenes, the marketing wizard. Which seems to make sense, really, because I know one of the things that a lot of our audience and all of our response suite customers talk to us about a lot is, I've got, I know all this marketing stuff. I know how to sell stuff on the internet. I've got all these courses. I've done all this stuff. But I haven't got any ideas of what I could sell. I'm sort of overwhelmed with, I could go into this niche or that niche and they don't know what to talk about and they don't know what product to put together and what Paul really talks about is you don't even need to know you don't even need to create the product because a lot of the times it's so easy you've done it I've done it getting caught up in what the product should be don't worry about that Paul has a different strategy which is look for somebody who already has the potential to make a great product and you do the stuff that you're really good at which is of course the marketing and the business end of it driving the traffic Yeah, so this is going to be a really good episode for anyone who's in that sort of starting blocks position, ready to get started and wants to wants to actually build their business. Of course, don't worry about taking any notes at all. We've done all of that for you. You'll find all of the show notes for this particular episode at blog.responsesuite.com forward slash zero one nine. And once you've listened to the episode, remember to tweet us at response suite with your big takeaways. Right, over to Paul. So hey Paul, welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thank you, Rob Kennedy. Very excited to have you here. The uh, business world's favorite salsa dancer. That's me. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us, what is it that you actually do for people? What is your kind of primary business model when it comes to this online business stuff? Yeah, so I, I help people take whatever their expertise or wisdom or skill or knowledge or whatever you want to call it, superpower, and I help them turn it into an online course uh, with the aim of helping them generate a passive or semi-passive income. And on occasions, if the wind is blowing in the right direction, I'll also work with people on a joint venture basis, um, whereby they provide the content for the course around whatever their expertise is, and I'll provide the marketing in order to sell the course. Okay, that's Mm. cool. Okay, so you're like the sort of wizard behind the proverbial curtain. That's me. Amazing, amazing. Uh, Okay, so... You obviously, you find people who've got like a a business or a niche or something like that. People might come to you and say, hey, I've got this idea. Or you might see somebody who has a really good idea and you think, oh, that looks really nice. But how do you actually figure out whether it's profitable or even viable in the first place? Do you have a process? Well, I do. I do have a process and it's really important to get it right because lots of people get it wrong and they end up spending lots of time creating. I was going to say, you can just waste so much time on lovely ideas which, which just can't go anywhere. Yes, exactly. 
Exactly. Yes. So they've got to get this bit right, first of all. So um, what I do is in terms of the, the viability bit first, the, the question I want answered is, first of all, are there lots of people interested in the subject uh, of whatever your course is about? But more importantly, can you reach them? And can you do that profitably? And I'll come on to the profitable bit in just a moment. The tool which I use now to answer the first question of are there people interested in this particular subject is Facebook Ads Manager. So, for example, if I wanted to create a weight loss program for busy female executives over the age of 40, then I would just go into my Facebook Ads Manager and I would create a dummy ad that targeted that specific demographic. And as you guys know, when you do that, Facebook will tell you how big your audience is. So for example, um, I, will create, I will create the dummy ad. I wouldn't make it go live and I wouldn't spend any money. This is just for research. I would include the countries that I wanted to reach. So you know, in most cases, it's gonna be the USA, Great Britain, Canada, Australia, um, part of Ireland. In other words, all the English speaking countries. And then I would specify uh, the gender, so in this case, it would be women, the age, uh, over 40, and then their interests. Um, so in the interest box, because I'm targeting in this example executives, I would, in the interest box, I would put job role executive. And you'll see the, obviously, the, the number of people that you can reach uh, or who meet that demographic will go down. Then once you've done that, there's a little a little tab in Facebook called narrow audience. And in there you would put another interest such as health and wellness. So for me, when I do this test, if the audience is you know, less than a thousand, you've obviously, you know, straight off the bat that the audience is too small. And then of course, you want to make sure the audience isn't too big. What I'm looking for, the sort of sweet spot is somewhere between, you know, 20,000 and 200,000. Any bigger than 200,000 and your target audience is probably, you know, your, your offer is probably too broad. In, 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 in other words, your, your offer isn't, isn't niche enough. So that's what I do to get a good indication of whether the course is viable. In terms of um, profitability, I, I kind of do something else. So by the way, on a side note, Mm. Facebook is soon going to be taken away that many of the interest categories. So, for example, in the future, you won't be able to narrow the audience by job role or by income bracket. So now is the time to start creating those audiences and saving them for future use before Facebook takes them away. Wow. Well, that's a good engineer. And just a little question before we go into profitability. Uh, and that is when you talk about these courses, it's just sort of a step backwards if you don't mm. mind. When you talk about you creating courses, are they mainly one-off product courses? Is it mainly a subscription course? Is it one and done? Like what is a course that you create generally? Most of them are um, one-off but so the first offer is a one-off course. So it might be you know, a six-week program drip-fed, but then at the end of the six weeks, there's always something else to offer after that. But the first one is always a short six-week course. Cool. All right, we'll get more into the funnel in a bit. So before you go into that niche, uh, what you, you know, you, you want to know the profitability of it as well as the viability. So we now know it's viable. We know that now there's an audience and we can reach that audience. That's great. How do we know if it's profitable? So I always ask three questions. The first question is how affluent is the target market? Have they got, have they got any money? Um, the second question is what is it worth to them to have their problem fixed? The problem that you offer 
What is it worth to them to get that problem fixed? And the final question is, can you create higher priced versions of your offer to that market? So if I use the example of the, the weight loss program for the busy female executive, now they most likely make a good income. So that's, you know, that ticks the uh, answer to my first question, have they got money? Because of their job role, they've probably got money. Number two, um, what's it worth to them to have their problem fixed? Well, you know, fixing the health or energy or confidence problems related to not being as, let's say, lean as they'd like to be, that's worth a lot of money to people. And then the third question is, can you create higher price versions of your offer to that market? Well, yes, you could, and, and we have. You know, you could offer a more bespoke program for them with closer access to you at a much higher price. So those are the three questions. Have they got money? What's it worth to them to have that problem fixed? And can you create higher price versions of your offer to that market? I think that's an amazingly quantifiable way that somebody can just take an idea and work out whether it's got legs or not. And I particularly like the idea of using tools in a different way for what they're intended. So, you know, like take a thing that we're going to probably use to run ads later on, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure. But also just use it as a research tool to find out whether that audience is there and some stuff about them and layering the uh, interests in that way to kind of say, are they this and this, then then that's going to be perfect. Obviously, one of the things you talked about here is being the marketing brain the marketing whiz kid behind somebody else's stuff so for example let's imagine that you meet somebody who's like a real estate broker and you realize oh there's a there's a market there which they may or may not be and then you decide great i'm going to go into that you might not know anything about that about that interest about that thing so what level of knowledge or interest do you have to have in the niche i guess a to be effective at it and B, for you to actually want to get involved, are you good enough to just say, oh, there's a business opportunity here I want to be in? Or do you actually for personally find that you have to be interested in it? Well, I, I kind of, I, I take the same angle for myself as I tell people to take when they create courses for themselves. So, um, you know, early we talked about the three questions which need to be answered before to create a course. So the, you know, the first one is, is viability and profitability. The, the other two questions which I have people ask is, um, you know, have you got the knowledge and are you interested in it? How you answer those questions is a bit, is a bit different to how, how, how I would answer those questions if I'm working with somebody um, is a little bit different, I think, to how I would have somebody else ask those questions of themselves if they were building the course for themselves. For me, if it's a topic which I think adds a lot of value to people's lives, then it's, it's good by me. Do I, not, not good by me, it's, it's <laughs> hello it's you. Me. at least hello me. Um, <laughs> but but as, long as, I, as long as I believe that the course is going to make a difference in people's lives and add value, then yes, I am interested in working with somebody. But ideally, ideally, if it's something which I have an innate interest in myself, then that's even better. The problem is I'm not a very interesting person and I haven't got that many interests. So I'm kind of, um, <laughs> I kind of won't have many people to work with if I limit myself only by the things that I'm interested we'll in. Put, we'll put a little sound effect of someone playing the violin in the background. For I've, bit. I've been on holiday with Paul. He's much more interested than he claims to be. <laughs> um, I think that's really interesting. It's really refreshing to hear someone say that one of the big things that makes it okay with them is if it's going to make a difference 
difference to people's lives. You hear business people all the time saying, and marketers saying things like, oh, there's money to be made there, as opposed to, oh, there's a change to be made in somebody's life there. So that's, I think that's really refreshing. It is, and you know, I'm sure you haven't always got, uh, maybe, I mean, it would be interesting to hear that you've not always had success in every single niche you've gone into because you've been learning and growing. So how long do you persist in sort of any kind of niche before just going, you know what it is, pack me bags and it's good by me? Well, this is a really good question because I think a lot of people give up a little bit too soon. Um, You know, as soon as I've done my research, the research that we talked about before, in other words, you know, make sure that there was a, you know, that that it's it's viable and it's profitable. You know, the other thing which I do as well, you're talking, your point there, Rob, about using tools slightly differently. I use, uh, once I found that uh, an idea is profitable and it's viable, I'll just set up a very simple opt-in page and create a very simple like four or five page report um, and put that live and then run, you know, hundred pounds with the Facebook ads to it and see if I can get subscribers at a decent price. Mm. If I can do that, if I can get subscribers, you know, let's say a couple of pounds or a couple of dollars uh, per subscriber, then I'm, I know it's, I know I'm, that's another check that I'm onto a winner. Once I've done that research and it showed that it's profitable and it's viable and I can get, I can get subscribers at a decent price. I'm a little bit like a dog with a bone um, and I won't walk away until it's working. I think that the two traits that you you really need when starting an online business or like a software business like you guys or, or, or any business for that matter is you've got to have focus and um, persistence. I mean, one of my biggest challenges when I first started and Rob, when we first got to know each other, I share this with you, is that I got so easily distracted with new opportunities. You know, once you start like one opportunity it almost seems like the floodgates open and all sorts of different opportunities come your way Mm. and you get so excited about them and you feel you want to say yes to all of them so that you don't miss out on any of these opportunities. And I was a victim of that. As a result, I would have like loads and loads of spinning plates, but would end up making no progress in any direction. So for me to make a project work, you need to have your, you need to make that, that project, your one golden spinning plate. And that way you'll be able to have the focus and the persistence to try different ways of making the program work. What I found, and you're right, Kennedy, you know that a lot of the stuff that I've tried, it hasn't worked straight away. Nine times out of 10, it hasn't worked straight away. Facebook campaigns haven't worked straight away. Offers haven't worked straight away. But nine times out of 10, it's because either the offer isn't strong enough or more likely the product and the offer is great but our positioning isn't strong enough. So what I mean by this is sometimes we just haven't added enough value to enough people in our marketplace for long enough in order to gain the trust and positioning for them to buy from you. And I found that the more, the more competitive a niche, so like you know, weight loss or self-development, the more value that you need to provide up front to that marketplace before you can ask them to buy. And for a program to work, I just think you've got to play the long game, stick at it and be like a a dog with a bone. A friend of mine, just finally, a friend of mine, Pete, he woke up at 7 a.m. pretty much every morning, well, Monday to Friday, to do a live Facebook feed around his subject of self-development. And he did this for five days a week for 12 months, just pure content, no call to action, no offer. And then after 12 months of providing great free content, he launched his membership site And he had a flood of people join. He went from making nothing to within a few days of launching his offer, 
you know, making a substantial monthly reoccurring income, all because he was willing to play the long game and add a ton of value upfront before he asked for anything in return. It's amazing, I think, to see that tipping point of, of, of value versus pitch and to get into that position really quickly. And I can also just tell you that I, you know, I can totally hear you about the overwhelm with opportunities thing. I think it's fi- somebody finds out what you do and they go, oh, there's a bit of that. There's one of the skills that you're using within that, which I need help with, or I can introduce you to somebody else who you could really help. And then you end up going, oh yeah, I can help them and make a, you know, make a good life for myself out of that as well. And then, and then, and then, and that, once you've got two of them, that's double the chance of somebody hearing about it. And then you end up, yeah, with, with a sort of a pile of opportunities. I totally hear you on that. So let's imagine that somebody's listening to this podcast and they think, oh, well, I know Trevor, the gardener. He knows about gardening. That's probably a good niche. Or, you know, uh, Rene, the picture hanger. That's probably a good niche. I'm going to go and talk to them and we're going to... Rene, make- the picture hanger. Yeah. Is that a job? Like, is it in the yellow pages? Picture, picture hanger. hanger. I think you can hire a bloke to come and hang a picture. Can't you? Is he a handyman? I don't know. Maybe. Anyway, a handyman. So another thing's about being a handy person. Uh, in 2018 handy person so you, you see someone you think they've got a skill set i could i could market that so you're going to approach them or maybe you just know somebody you're related to them what sort of deal should somebody be thinking about if they're thinking about being this marketing whiz kid behind somebody else's content well i've got a picture that needs putting up so if you do find rene can you <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't think there's a right or wrong answer to this. I mean, there's lots of different setups in terms of deals, but I honestly think that the best one is 50-50 down the middle. You, you guys know as well as I do that as a marketer, 70% of the effort in building and promoting an online course is creating the infrastructure and the funnel and the marketing. But if you only offer, let's say, you know, a 70-30 deal in your favor and Rene only gets... 30%, he's probably going to be lacking motivation. So I'm you know, 50 50 down there. And also down the road, once you've got the infrastructure and the funnel and the marketing and all that's been set up, then what generally happens is the ratio of effort tends to swing the other way. So the marketer's role is more one of sort of tweaking that takes 30%, whereas the, the person providing the content, hopefully, if they're doing a good job, is you know, they're spending 70% of the whole time creating new content and, uh, and, and uh, generating new awareness. I think the more important thing to consider uh, when it comes to working with somebody is do you actually work together well? Um, so who you work with is far more important than the specific deal. Um, you, know, you guys probably know this from knowing each other for years and you know, working together now. But it, it can go horribly wrong um, if you start a project with somebody who you don't really know and you really don't know what their values are and you don't really know what their long-term aspirations are it's important to make sure that the relationship is right rather than the deal i think that's really interesting to have a sort of like little test like a little kind of first date i suppose where you find out a bit about each other where do you see yourself in five years time kind of like to see whether you guys are aligned or girls are aligned to work together so that's really cool well you know on that rob actually it's a really good point so you know this first date as well as talking about something what i like to do is to actually do like a little mini pilot project so you know, if you're going down the 50-50 route or, or any route, I would, I strongly recommend that you work on a little mini project, first of all. So for example, um, you know, in line with, with testing the market that we spoke about before, the marketer could set up uh, a simple opt-in page with a follow-up email sequence uh, for the free report. And the content creator, the guy you're in partnership with, Rene, he can create the free report on how to hang the picture and set a deadline for it um, and then see if the person you're working with actually hits that deadline. And if they don't, and if they come back with excuses, I was busy with this, that, and the other, then alarm bells like 
ring straight away. That's cool. It's better than my idea of playing rock, paper, scissors to see who gets 70%, because that's how I would do it. <laughs> now, speaking of interesting games, we're going to try a little game. So here's how this works. Uh, it's very simple. Uh, what's going to happen is my, uh, my colleague Kennedy over here. Hello. That's him. Uh, he's going <laughs> to sing a song. Now, listeners, don't switch off. Uh, he's going to sing a song, but he's going to do it in the style of a traditional club singer. And what that means is that the actual song itself, the tune, might be somewhat obscured, uh, both by club singing and tone deafness, frankly. Uh, and <laughs> Paul's job is to guess what the song might be. So we've chosen a popular song that I think most people will know. Uh, I think Paul will definitely know this. And so you have to try and guess it from this club singer style. Go. Yeah, I've actually shazammed it and it's Kylie, I can't get you out of my head. <laughs> so it turns out that the uh, it wasn't club singing, it was just in an Australian accent. That's what it was. <laughs> Uh, sadly not. The uh, the correct answer we'll give you at the end of this episode. Uh, in case and, and we'll, I'll sing it properly at the end of the episode too. Excellent. So, uh, we'll get on with that. So, so next question. question. All right. So could you give us a, maybe an example of a couple of niches that you've actually worked in with other people? Maybe like a competitive niche that's quite widely known and maybe something obscure if you've got something like that? Competitive and obscure. Um, yeah. Right. So uh, let's start with the the competitive one because I, I I love the obscure one. The obscure one is uh, I love it when obscure niches work, especially when it's for somebody in your family. But let's start off with the competitive one. So weight loss. I don't think you can get any more competitive than weight loss, especially weight loss for the ladies. Now, this is an online course that a friend of mine, Pete, had, he'd actually already created the course and the content was already created. But the challenge that he had is that although it was a, a really good course, it kind of focused more on the mindset of weight loss rather than what to eat and whatnot. But he, he hadn't created a way of marketing the course. So... He saw a program which I built for myself. It was actually um, um, a How to Dance Salsa course. He saw that, he saw how to market it, and he contacted me. He says, I want you to do for my weight loss thing what you've done for your salsa thing. So we sat down and um, we decided to do like a 50-50 a a deal. Now, there are many ways that we could have marketed this course, but we decided to go with a Facebook ad to a free report into like a seven day challenge into the offer. So for the free report, um, we offered a, like a simple fat burning diet plan. Uh, he'd already had that created. And then on the thank you page was a video inviting people to take part in a seven day weight loss challenge. And right now challenges work really, really well. It's like there's a challenge mindset. 74% mm. of the people who opted into the diet plan also opted into the seven day challenge. So that was pretty strong. Uh, and then we did a series of videos for the challenge. And then I think it was four videos over seven days. And the final video was an offer to join the program. And that all worked very well. When we spoke earlier, we talked about having higher priced offers for your audience. So what we did then is we created a mid-priced offer and I scripted a 60-minute education-based webinar around the mindset of weight loss. This is just stuff that I've learned myself over time. And at the end of that, um, invited people to join a six-week group coaching weight loss program. And this was live. This is once a week for six weeks with Pete talking about stuff live. So again, it was closer contact to him, higher price. And that was a huge success, not just in terms of income, but 
more importantly in terms of people's transformations. Um, just on a little side note, the group aspect of that program, the ladies working together live in a, in a Facebook group was, was the main difference that made the difference. And then for the high-end offer, we created a slightly different webinar with a call to action for people to apply to be coached by Pete one-on-one. And it all went well. I mean, it was a tough old niche to work in, but it was made a lot easier because two things, Pete's positioning and, like I said before, he had already created lots of value and trust in the marketplace by putting lots of good stuff out there for free. He just needed to have a way of monetizing all right. of that. So that's the, um, that was the um, mainstream one. That's a competitive one. The obscure one was for my other half, Elena. And by the way, uh, anybody listening, if you want to get your wife or your significant other on your side when it comes to doing stuff online, then my number two tip is to start making some money. Be patient with that. It does take time, but start making money. But my number one tip is make money for her. If you do that, if you do that, she'll she'll never complain about you going to another um, online marketing seminar in Miami. So, (laughs) (laughs) so Elena is, uh, she's from Uruguay. She's, uh, she's South American and she moved to the UK about 10 years ago and she wanted to save some money for deposit for her own place. So what she did really reluctantly, and the point I want to make from this little short story is how something small can turn into something quite big. Really reluctantly at first, she decided that she was going to start teaching um, like one-on-one Spanish lessons to people that she knew in the area. She questioned whether she was actually good enough to do that, even though Spanish is her first language. But anyway, she got out of her comfort zone and she did that. But what she found from doing that, it was two things. It was exhausting, really time-consuming, and it was not really that profitable. So, and we never saw each other, which... Um, for me, it was not a good thing for her, I don't know, but it wasn't a good thing for, for, for me. So we sat down and we devised a little plan to start teaching people in groups. So that's what she did. She hired a local venue. She invited some people to this like free taster class. I was there making the tea. And then at the end of the taster class, she invited people to sign up for a live in-person six-week course. So it's very much like the online uh, way of doing things, but it was done in like in a real place with real people and as a result of that she was able to 10 times her income by teaching in groups she then took that course material and she the the, the course material that she taught during the six weeks in other words it's basically how to speak spanish whilst you're on your holly bobs like una cerveza por favor so all that good stuff which is really when you're going to holly that's all you need to know isn't it rob how to ask a beer in spanish that's all you need to know (laughs) but she 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 took all this content and she put it into a kindle book and that Kindle book uh, became a number one bestseller. Everything together, she managed to put down a deposit for her own flat. So she was a really, really happy bunny. But the really exciting shift happened when she created an online program. So the online program was targeted at Spanish-speaking people who lived in the UK who would be interested in turning their Spanish into an additional income by teaching small groups of people how to speak Spanish, a little bit like, in fact, exactly what Elena had done for herself. So we tested the market by creating a simple Facebook app that targeted Spanish-speaking people who live in the UK. Uh, We refined it slightly by adding the interest of entrepreneurship. We had a picture of Elena smiling, drinking a cerveza. We had a bit of copy that taught about her story about in transitioning from teaching one-on-one to group classes. And then we had an opt-in page for a free report that sort of explained her seven steps. And from that little test, we were able to get opt-ins for less than a pound, a good British pound. So we were pretty sure that it was a viable market. So then what we did is we created a webinar 
like an education-based webinar like what you guys do that went into the seven steps in more detail and at the end of that um, she made the offer of her online program drip fed over um, six weeks one person <laughs> signed up for the course from the webinar we hadn't created the webinar it didn't exist so sorry we created the webinar we hadn't created the course didn't exist but with that little shred of evidence, we decided to build the six-week program. And because someone had bought it, you know, we had to get it built. It was like a date had been wrapped around it. And uh, so since then, lots and lots and lots and lots of people have signed up to her program. And the whole marketing process is now automated. Uh, we've got an Evergreen webinar, email follow-up, and she's now expanding into the USA. So really exciting. But the thing she's most excited about is that she now has helped countless people literally up and down the UK, start their own Spanish teaching business. And that's what's given her the most pleasure. And it all started off because she got out of her comfort zone and started teaching a one-on-one -on -one Spanish class to her mate. That's amazing. Isn't it just great how it just comes up from one extreme to that next extreme? It's amazing. Just niches people would never dream of. Yeah. I mean, as the, as the marketer behind these businesses, uh, both your own and other people's, what would you say is your kind of core skill set? So are you the best traffic guy are you the best copywriter what's the important skill set that somebody really needs to master if they're thinking about doing this oh that's, that's a tough one Rob. i don't think there's one i don't think there's one key you know when it comes to building a profitable online course there's a whole like a whole key fob of keys you know you need to get good at, at all of the disciplines not not just one you've got to get good like you said you've got to get a, good at copy you've got to get good at email um, follow-ups you've got to get good at product creation, webinar, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the, 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 what, the number one thing to focus getting really great at, you can be good at all the others, the thing to get really great at is number one, create a great product that people love, not just like, but love, and one that gets loads of great results for people, and this is the important bit, that results in testimonials and case studies. Those case studies and testimonials, which I've got a process of, of getting those from people, um, you've got to actively ask for and collect them. They will make up for any shortcomings that we might have in terms of copy and traffic and funnel building. So get good at all of the requirements, but get great at creating a great offer, creating a great product, and actively getting great case studies and testimonials. We're gonna now lovingly go into what we like to call the quick fire round. We're gonna give you some questions and we want some quick and snappy answers. Hey, hey, you don't want to miss out on more of these fabulous nuggets, do you? Make sure you subscribe to the Three Marketers Podcast now on your podcast player. So first of all, a book that you recommend. Susan Dukic. Um, it's called Straight Line Leadership, and it helps people get unstuck. Love it. What would be, what would be your top success habit? Have a to-do list, and then do the to-do list. And if you want an app that really helps with that, fantastic app, probably my favourite one. It's called Wonder List. Spelt like a person from Bristol. W-U-N-D-E-R, List. Wonder List. Fantastic app. Excellent. Who do you look up to? Who do I look up to? Um, pretty much everybody. I'm only five foot tall. Ching. No, seriously, it is pretty much everybody. Um, everybody has stuff that I can learn from. So uh, if we can just take a little bit of a moment to stop and talking about ourselves and listen to other people, we can learn an awful lot from them. So uh, there's not one person, pretty much everybody. Totally. And how do you actually define success? That's changed over time. Right now, it is one word. It is peace. You know, my goal used to be things and status. Now it is just Piece. Here's the big important question. Who do you like more, Rob or Kennedy? <laughs> well, as Rob alluded to, we have spent many beers together at many conferences, traveled abroad together. Actually, 
flown in a plane to Miami together. Sat next to each other, held hands. He held hands. He actually fell asleep on my shoulder. So for that reason and that reason alone, I have to say Rob. But Kennedy... Yes. It really wouldn't take much to swing that. If I was to come up to your office and you were to buy me a bacon sandwich or even just give me a bite out of your bacon sarnie, that would be enough. Love it. Okay, finally, where can folks go to find out more about you? Um, go to Facebook and enter Salsa, as in the dance, Paul, as in my name, and I'm on there somewhere. Love it. Amazing. Dude, thank you so much for sharing this stuff. This has been amazing. We're very excited to, uh, to have had you here. So thank you for that. Now, before we let you go, we couldn't possibly let you go without revealing the big conundrum, which was <sighs> the song that Kennedy sang in club singer style was... Shania Twain, man, I feel like a woman. Knew it! You didn't guess it though, did you? If you knew it, you didn't say anything, did you? <laughs> Dude, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Bye. So there you have it. I think for anyone who sat there trying to sort of shoehorn the stuff they know or the stuff they're interested in into a product. Hang on, I'm get... just putting this picture on the wall. Oh, that'll be money, the picture hanger in the background. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, for anyone who is stuck trying to think, what is it that I know? Or you get loads of people who think, oh, I want to build an online business, but nobody's going to pay me for my knowledge. Now, that's probably not true. You're probably doing yourself a disservice. But if you are really concerned about maybe getting on camera and making videos, maybe that's not your bag, or recording podcasts, maybe that's not your bag. Maybe it shouldn't be our bag. Who knows? Uh, in which case, you might want to find an expert, you know, like Gary the Gardener, and get him along or her along and get them to create the stuff, and then you just sell their products. It's a really beautiful model. Yeah, money the picture hanger, Gary the Gardener, or any other profession whatsoever. Remember, you can check out the show notes. Where are you going to find them, Robert? Over at blog.respect sponsoring.com forward slash zero one nine if you haven't already make sure you do subscribe to this the free market as walk into a podcast on your favorite of the all of the podcast players and leave us a review please leave us a review we'd love to read it and also it will help with our reach you can of course always find us on the social media platforms just at response suite so make sure you look for that and you'll be we able post to... some cracking stuff over on instagram by the way i didn't realize all the stuff that grace does for us uh, over on there it's absolutely fantastic so if you want some inspiration every single day then you can go and join us over there we'll be back next week with another tremendous interview don't miss a thing, miss a thing. check out the show notes at blog.responsesuite.com